Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Kevin. This is Good Company in the Car. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. She walks by, the mean folks can't even grow. So it's the last day of November. It's uh, a little after seven, and it's been dark for nine hours. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think maybe it's because it gets dark so early that more crazy people are out and about? I don't. Uh, I'm having I'm having more weird situations and just I'm telling you it's getting worse and worse. I, I know don't that wanna, I don't want to go out. I know that the Eskimos have a word for going crazy because of being in the dark for too long. Um, Native Eskimos, I'm, that's not being culturally insensitive. That's I think a lot of Inuit and, and First Nation people in the north are okay with Eskimo, but they they will. Have historically, even people who are live in the environment of three months of darkness can lose their shit for not seeing any sunlight. They they have a, a word for it, but it's darkness crazy, and people just kind of go a little nuts. And it's a it's a problem in Scandinavia, and well, and um, yeah, people do go a little nuts. Well, I don't necessarily find it within myself so much as just. No, I'm just saying, but some people functioning out in the world. People other, do react negatively to like, this lack of sunlight. Alone? Yeah. All right. So anyway, try not to whisper. <laughs> I know I'm not. I know. I know. So, uh, yeah, um, it feels like it's been. You get home from work or whatever, and you're just like, God, I guess I'll go to bed. Well, the other part is this is the time of the year because, uh, in case good company in the car listeners don't know, I'm a rather large man. And I wear short sleeve shirts and I wear shorts most of the time. So this is that time of the year when it starts when uh, I'll be walking into a store and somebody will say it. Aren't, Aren't you cold? <laughs> and I just want to smack them. I've, I've been there. I've witnessed it, people. He does get that. And, I, and I'm like, and there's, there's, I haven't come up with a snappy comeback yet other than uh you know my car has heat and that doesn't you know no, there's got to be something better for I that. don't understand I I you got to oh, be better writer oh, this is a two parter this is two part first part I do not understand how you can function going from your car getting in your car with gloves and hats and scarves and how do you drive uh-huh. how do you do it I do <laughs> I I just I I never wear a coat when I'm driving uh-huh for the 15 minutes it takes me to walk from the my front house door to get into my car, start it, uh-huh. and have the heat kick on, yeah. I don't need. I can be a little cold. <laughs> well, you're for a very few exothermic. Mi- I guess, but you know, and then you, every every place I go has got heat. Yeah, I'm not going to be outside for very long. I have a coat in the car in case yeah. I need it. Well, you're very heat to- cold tolerant. I so I, you know. so I if anybody can come up with a good snappy comeback for aren't you cold? That's 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 <laughs> Send it to Jack. snappy, but it's not. Too awful, mean because I've, I've, I've in my head I've been like, aren't you ugly and aren't you old and all that kind of stuff. And then the other thing is, is it's getting dark at four thirty-five o'clock. Yeah, I do not. I have bitched about this before on here. I do not understand people who are wearing black, dark clothes uh, walking, walking the in the street. Yeah. I do not. Do you have so little? Care for, for your, your own safety. life yeah. that you're good. I mean, I just—it's crazy. I, if I'm leaving for work in the morning, I—I'm—I'm—I—I I have to be at work by five thirty in the morning. It's dark. Yeah. 
I cannot tell you how many times I've been in the city driving and someone has just walked right in front of me because they weren't expecting a car that early or right. whatever. And out here in the suburbs, I've seen people do it. And I'm like, I, I could not have seen you. Or the other thing is, is they'll run in front of you mm-hmm. because they think they'll get it. And, and all you see is movement. Right. You don't see. They've got a black hat, a black coat, black gloves, black bag, black co- you know. And I'm just, I don't get it. Well, I it's do funny. Not get it. This situation you're describing dovetails very nicely into this episode. Oh, it does? The very beginning of this one, a woman is driving down a road at night. Oh! And Look at me, part of the segue, and didn't even try. And off to the side of the road, she thinks she sees something, and she comes back by, but here we go. Season one. Season one. Episode 15. Episode 15. Interrogation raw. Interrogation raw. Left for dead in the cold. Left for dead in the cold. It's a very sad story. It is. We start out in Chester, New York, which is in upstate New York, if you live in New York City. If you live in upstate New York, it's down by New York City. <laughs> but it's about... Uh, 80, 70 miles um, up from New York City. It's down, but I, I just related to the opening shot because oh, I'm like, oh, that's Norwich. It and it looked cold and, and bleak. And it's <laughs> it December and December 18th, 2019. We get a 911 call. 911, what is the address of the emergency? Hi, I am I just drove on um, North Hudson Street in Chester and um, okay. I just saw a, a body on the side of the road. I'm not sure if it was a I drove past it twice. Um, okay, slow down now. Tell me exactly what happened. It looked just like a pile of clothes, but as I got closer, I saw shoes, and I think it was a person. I'm going to have over there as soon as possible. So that woman was driving along the, the dark winter road, <laughs> and she saw what she thought were clothes. Then she did another drive-by, and she's like, I oh think God, it's a person. A person. <laughs> And, and, and I want to compliment this woman. I want to compliment this woman. She did not get out of the car. Right. She called 911. Yeah. That yeah. is a very sm- I know you good Samaritans out there. I know you exist. Do not get out of your car. <laughs> I, I disagree. I call 911 immediately. Get the cops there. Get the ambulance. See if you can help whoever's in distress. But my point is, is see, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the suspicious type. Uh-huh. They, they want you to get out of the car uh-huh. so they can bonk you on the head oh. and take your car well, I, or The whatever. way she saw him, it's like he was, well, anyway, um. the, the cops immediately drive to the location. We see their cameras from their vehicles, and you see the live camera, and they blurt out what is clearly someone lying by the side of the road. This is Investigator John Rudin from the New York State Police. Two patrol units, they come up onto the scene, and right away they realize this is a person that's been bound up and is obviously bloody. So you can see the police rolling him over, and even though it's blurred, and they're they're I, they weren't rough with him, but I I thought they could have been a little more gentle. But I, I think they assumed he was dead. Oh, okay. They didn't realize he was alive until they rolled him over. All right. Well, this is uh, Senior Assistant District Attorney Julie Mall. She's from the Orange County District Attorneys, and she tells us what they found. His arms were tied and bound behind his back, and his feet were also bound and tied. He was unconscious, and his breathing was very labored. The officers noticed several bruises and contusions to his face. It was about 15 degrees. Uh, It was freezing. 
he had a jacket, his jeans or pants, and he didn't have shoes on. Officers called for an ambulance, and he was immediately rushed to the hospital. So he's been bound and left by the side hog of the road. Tied. He was hog-tied. Hog hog-tied, right? He was hog-tied. His, his wrists are tied behind his back, yeah. his, and he doesn't have any shoes on, and it's 15 degrees out. And most everybody Oof. who's listening to this podcast has been out in 15-degree weather. Oh. Think about it. 15 degrees is cold. You know what the coldest temperature I've ever been in? I don't know. Minus 47 degrees Yikes. Fahrenheit. We had a cold cold front come through in um, Norwich back in the 70s, Yikes. and it got down to 43. And I delivered newspapers Oof. in 19 below once. Oof. Yeah, it was brutal. We got used to really bad Oof. temperatures. I, I, yeah. But before the record, 15, you can die from exposure I at 15 I was going to say that in a weird way that possibly helped the situation because oh, it kept him... Kept him cold and maybe the, the wounds and things. I don't now, know. Un unfortunately, he did not make it, right. but... Until the police, he was declared dead once he got to the He was house. alive when they got there. They said he his was breathing was yes. labored. Yeah. We see the ambulance arrive, and we learn that our victim is Michael Partridge. This is Senior Investigator Kevin O'Keefe with the New York State Police. We knew his name was Michael Partridge. We knew that he was a resident of Chester. He's got a family. He's got a grandfather. He's got a mother. He's got uh, a child. So, sadly, 28-year-old Michael is pronounced dead shortly after arriving at the hospital. The cause of death is blunt force trauma to the head and internal bleeding. I was hoping he was going to make it and the story yeah. was going to take a different uh, yeah. direction, but it didn't. So, investigators arrive at the hospital and start investigating. They're asking their family members who Michael might have been with that day and they mention his girlfriend Courtney Clemenza and we see a picture of her at this point early in the show and I'm like ooh I'm getting good at this are those prison scrubs or not because you could just see a little bit of orange I'm like that orange looks very correctional but I put a pin in that you know what I mean that's really funny okay go ahead yeah yeah so Courtney lives with her mom and I like her mom a I lot. Like her mom. <laughs> so they go to their mom's house and ask her if Courtney is there, and she says no. They inform her that Michael has been assaulted. She then tells them about a text exchange she had with Courtney. Courtney says he got his ass kicked. Regina responds, Did he by who? Courtney responds, Bobby. He deaf broke his ankle ribs. I saw his blood squirting while he cried, Bobby, stop. Based on the text messages, Courtney has witnessed a brutal assault of uh, Michael Partridge uh, at the hands of a specific uh, person uh, she referred to as Bobby. So, okay, Courtney is a piece of shit. Right. And here we go. She says Bobby did it, but we don't know who Bobby is yet. So... The B-roll that they have around Chester makes the place look god-awful. Oh, I don't yeah. think I've ever been to Chester, Oof. but I could navigate my way around Chester. Yeah. So Regina, who's Courtney's mom, Regina Clemenza, volunteers to go to the Chester Police Headquarters for a formal interview at 1.40 a.m. At one point, we see her, you and your douchebag friends really? have been to the police station at 1.40 in the <laughs> morning. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, this woman... Did not raise this child to do this. Yeah. You know. No, no, no. This, she's this woman super is, You know, you know. And, yeah. and she's got this weird upstate New York accent, and you know she smokes cigarettes. Yes, but anyway, she here she goes. Okay. Seat right there. I'm going to sit here. What did you hear exactly happened? I hear somebody doing a beat. Who did you hear throwing a beat? I guess it's my body. Who'd you hear this from? 
Courtney. Courtney told you that. I didn't hear that she touched him. What did she say specifically happened to him? He got him good in his ankles and his wrists, I think. That's what he said. The person who got him good was... Well, I think it was Bobby. If Courtney's not home, where would she be? Bobby and Seth's house. From Regina Clemenza, we get the name Seth Pelsang and Robin Haskell. Courtney is hanging out with them that night. So Regina says that Courtney is probably over at Seth and Bobby's house. And we get the mugshots of Seth Pelsang and Robert Bobby Haskell. So all three of them are brought in for questioning. And as usual, they separate all of them and conduct the interviews at the same time. So they don't have any time to get their story straight. And this way, the investigators can play them off of each other. So up first is Seth, who Okay, spins... wait, wait, wait. I want to go ahead and give you some research. Okay, yeah, lay it on me. So they have Regina, the mother. Yeah, and the star. The, 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 mother, <laughs> the mother who cracked the case. She was great. And she is. She calls Courtney. Uh-huh. And Courtney's like, and she's like, where are you? Mm-hmm. And Courtney, I'm, 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 and she, are you in my house? Where are you? And she goes, I've been at the police for and, and this Your douchebag friends. Yeah, oh, your douchebag friends. And and then then the the police say, This is, you know, this is the police. We need to speak to you. Can we meet you someplace? And she says she hymns and hauls and she doesn't know what to do. And she says, Well, I'll meet you at a it had, it had a weird name like Kimgo or something uh-huh. like that. But it was some sort of a gas station. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would have said, no, come down to the police station. That's what I would have done if I had been in her shoes. But no, 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 she's an idiot. So the police are waiting for her at this at this uh, gas station, Seven yeah. Eleven type okay. store, and up pulls a very nice white four door sedan. Yeah, and she gets out of the car at the pumps, and mm-hmm. she gets out of the car and walks up. Well, the police immediately are like. Who's in that car? Yeah. And they go to the car. Guess who's in the car? Seth. Seth and, and Bobby. Bobby. Okay. So they haul them all in to interview them. All this is how they got all three of them the b- before the morning broke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they no. got all three of these people before the morning We've broke. We've seen this so many times. All right. Well, this first up is Seth, and he spins kind of a weird tale. Go ahead and say whatever you need to say. Me and Courtney were sitting down in the living room, and uh, all of a sudden we were watching TV and eating, like macaroni and cheese and everything, and all of a sudden we heard a big bang from outside, and we were like, what the hell? It was Mike, he had a gun. He took the shotgun and he shot through the front door of the house. He came right in with that shotgun, loaded, and he started chasing us up the stairs. And I ran into my room, and I opened my door, and I saw there's a guy that stays across the hall from me, um, he had him, like, pinned down, um, had him, you know, uh, like, subdued or whatever. And, um, and then Bobby just started hitting him uh, with the bat, I thought, to, like, subdue him at first, you know. He slid him down the stairs and then brought him outside. So then they uh, got a tarp, put it in the back seat, and put Mike in there. And uh, Bobby made us go with him and drop him off, like, over by his house. And now we see Courtney's interview, and I'm just going to let this run because it cuts away to some of the investigators commenting on what she said and what they found. But it's it's nonsense, and they call her on it right away. Right away. Good. Yes. Mike was planning to rob him. Who's him? Bobby. Why Bobby? Because he's got, like, a big amount of cocaine, a big amount of heroin, and he's got 
She admits that there was a pre-planned robbery that was supposed to take place. Robert is known to be a drug dealer. Michael was struggling with an addiction. He had no money. He was like, no, if I could get that cash, I would be, you know, that would just get us set. We could get an apartment. We could get a car. So we was kind of like the wheels were turning. We were going to make a plan. Like, uh, what was like, the plan going to be? Like, he asked me where the rooms were. So I told him the placement of the rooms. Did you write them down? Did you? Yeah. She admits she drew a map that was ultimately located on Michael himself. He had that map. So she's a participant at this point. You're part of this. And it got out of control. Yeah. From you having a conversation with Michael days before he shows up at the house, you have conversations with him about where the drugs are, who holds the drugs, how much there is, even detail a map to him. They were not supposed to be in the house. But they were. So she drew that bloody map that they found on Michael's body to help him rob the place. She drew a map of Bobby's house for Michael. Because he's going to rob them because, because Bobby's a big drug dealer and he's got Bobby's $20 million. Drug, he's got well, he $20,000. $20, $25,000. Yeah. A bunch of heroin and cocaine. Yep. But there's a, there's another character. Are you going to mention this other person? Nope. Okay. There's another there's another character okay. that we haven't gotten to that in my research, there was a roommate by the name of Tim Smith. Okay. Tim Smith. I went to high school with Tim Smith. Tim Smith lived in the house with Bobby. Okay. Tim Smith was a very large man. Yeah. And he wasn't mentioned in this crime. He in was this not episode. mentioned in this at all. I, I need to paint a picture for you. Okay. Courtney is a little bit of white trash, a little bit of country, a little bit of rock and roll. Okay. She's got colored hair. She's got that sloppy ponytail up on the back of the side of her head. And she had her kid with her. She and had- she had her daughter with her, whose name was Bella. Okay. Guess guess what Michael thought? Uh, Michael thought it was his? Michael thought it was his. It wasn't? It wasn't Michael. Oh, God. So, um, Courtney's got Bella with her. Uh, the, the dude, Tim Smith. The dude, Seth, uh-huh. he gave off a very not home dude vibe to me. I think he was... Courtney, Courtney and him were friends. Like maybe he was a hairdresser. I don't know. Okay, there was something a little weird about him. All right. Well, we learn at the end that he was. We'll we'll, we'll talk about we'll that at the end. We'll get to that. Now then, and then there's Bobby who lives who who lives at this house who yeah. apparently sells drugs. Right. He's a big black dude. Right. And then the and then the roommate Seth uh, Tim Tim is a big black dude. Yeah. So you have got. Skinny little white boys, right. a skinny little white chick, uh-huh. and two big black dudes. Right. And the skinny little white guy supposedly is going to bust into this house with a gun. Michael with a shotgun. And, and take just... on all these people. Yeah, but apparently he did. They showed the door had been shot open, but he didn't think people were supposed to be there. He wasn't supposed so to be So Courtney is, clearly knows he's coming. She could have at any time called and said, Michael, there are people here who don't do this. So that didn't make any sense. She wanted him to get caught. I, she wanted this shit to go down. She did. This is but, horrible. All right. Well, let's get back to the story. Okay, thing. let's get back to the story. So, she again, she drew the bloody map that they found on Michael. It was on his body. It was she in was his saying pocket. that they were not supposed to be in the house. 
and the investigator says, but they were. So there's no reason in hell Courtney couldn't have called Michael and said, don't come. They were all sitting in the living room right now, so her bullshit is already falling apart. And, so and now we're Michael getting... shows up. Yeah. Now think about this. Michael <clears throat> shows up to this house. It didn't make any sense. Her narrative of what happened didn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, got, sense got, at all. He she, got set up. He, he was got, set up. He was set up. So now we hear Bobby's interview, and I have to give him credit for being honest with the investigators. He says... You know, yeah, I did it. It was me. So anyway, you know, honor among thieves. So there's certain things that um, are coming to light, okay, because other people are, are talking and having conversations, okay? Just tied up, correct? It's a yes? Yes. Okay. All right? Yeah. Let me ask you a question, right? Who tied him up? I have a lot. It was, it was me, man. The reason why he wasn't going, he was out of control, man. There's no way in the world I could have just did that and just let him go. So, where'd you guys bring him? Now, listen, there's some Chester. We took him almost to his grandpa. Okay. Now, who, who, who's we? Listen, I get it, but you, you gotta, okay. Courtney? Okay, well, who else? Listen, I know. Do I need somebody to help you? I know it was wrong, but I just didn't want to hold my house after that. Yeah. You can see it, his body language slumps back down, hand over top of the head. He just completely shuts down. So after more than 15 hours in the interrogation room, Bobby Haskell is charged with first-degree murder. He should have asked for an attorney the moment he got yep. there. Remember that, everybody. Always ask for an attorney. Whether you did it or not, ask well. for an attorney. So the on-screen text says the investigators are closing in on Courtney, so she's not getting away. So all three of you drive him out to a roadway, set him on the roadway, in the slush, the snow, the ice, and the cold, bound so he can't move or walk away, right? And you thought leaving him there was better, right, by your own mission. That was better for him. How is that better for him? Looking at that interview and watching her, those tears are for Courtney. That's it. Those aren't for Michael. Those are for Courtney. Through all of that, not once did she ask me how Michael Partridge was doing. Is he okay? Is he alive? Is he being treated for his injuries? None of that. It solidifies the fact that she has real lack of remorse for what happened to Michael. So once they leave her in the in the room, she lied her bawling. way all the way around back into herself. Yeah, but she's crying, and the the one investigator is like, she's not crying for Michael. She doesn't care. She never asked about Michael. She's crying because she, she, got, she caught. got caught, and life's never going to be it the same again for Courtney. So after more than 11 hours in the interrogation room, Courtney Clemenza is charged with seven-degree manslaughter, Second which is a pretty serious charge. I saw a supplemental part of this where they show more of her interview, yeah. and they eventually they were like, you were there when he was being assaulted. No, I grabbed my baby and went outside. And then she's like, actually, I was in the room. Actually, I helped hold him down. 
Actually, I drove the car. I know. So she she's just so, lying, so lying. Me, I'm like, where was the kid during all this? Yep. So we jump ahead from December 2019th to Wednesday, March 24th, 2020, 115 months after the murder of Michael Partridge. And in this is the picture of Courtney from earlier, and she's in an orange hoodie. <laughs> she pleads guilty to second-degree manslaughter, and she gets a sentence of two to six years in state prison, which I think is way too little. Uh, I agree. So, And jumping ahead to June 4th, 2021, and now it's the trial for Bobby, and he's in Orange Scrubs 2, and here's some audio. Beating Michael 30 times with a baseball bat, Bobby is the most culpable. Seth was the most remorseful. He was willing to plead guilty to the manslaughter in the first degree with a sentence of nine years in state prison. So he's the most culpable since he's the one who hit Michael with the baseball bat over 30 times. So he pled guilty to first degree manslaughter and he got 12 years in prison right. because they were, they were, uh, Michael showed up and assaulted them in, you know, in theory. If he'd have had a better lawyer. Yeah. He could have gotten that down. Probably he could have got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Seth, they said was the most remorseful of all. Uh, and he pled guilty to second degree manslaughter, but for some reason he gets nine years. I don't understand they when didn't, Courtney had lawyers. They, they didn't they write because Courtney got two to six years and Seth got nine. Seth didn't write a map. Right. Seth didn't know anything about this. I don't understand that I at think all. A lot of it has to do with who the lawyer is. Mm -hmm. So the Tim, the roommate Tim Smith, got the exact same as Seth. Uh, he got nine years too. He, got, he was second degree manslaughter as well. So, so four people went to jail and they, uh, for this manslaughter slash murder. Uh -huh. And the girl who like set it all up got the easiest thing. Oh shit! So if they had just called the police when all of this started, because Bobby kept saying he had a gun. What was I going to do? Call but the I, police. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> well, because he's a drug dealer, he doesn't want the police. So he comes in, I think he came in and shot the door open and came in, and then those guys immediately set upon him. Well, uh, you know the, what I mean? The, there's the oddest possibility that Michael didn't realize anybody was there. No, no, no. Michael didn't think anybody was there. Courtney so he told him. So he shot the, the door, door open, he comes in, in, he's like, and he oh shit, everybody's here. here. And yeah. then they like jump him before right. he can do anything. Right. So I don't know if they would have had a chance to call the cops, but they should have been Oof. like, get out of here, Michael. Michael would have been like, whoa, turn around, leave, call the cops. Maybe Michael would have been arrested and gotten the help because right. Michael had an addiction. Right, right, issue right. we didn't know about so he was struggling with addiction he had a little boy he had been yeah and so maybe we, we could have had a completely different situation it was just very upstate new york so in my research michael was a good guy yeah he'd had some little problems here and there little run-ins with the law but he was not a bad dude he did not get into trouble but i saw and he had a uh his new girlfriend's name the, that he uh, had the son courtney uh, her name was courtney too it's a popular it's one up there. really bizarre that they both named courtney yeah and he because he had this son he had totally Turned his life trying around. Trying to straighten it up. I was trying to get, he was a plumber uh, electrician, I believe. Yeah. I, I saw a clip from the the extended interrogation, Raw, the actual yeah. TV show yeah. of his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his dad, sadly, I never liked this. He's like, he was a great boy. We had a great relationship. We were more like brothers than father and well, son. And I'm yeah. like, you that don't want, don't be the fun dad. Drinking. But his dad seemed like he had issues too. So, right, yeah, But yeah. you never, don't be the fun mom. Be the mom and be the dad. <laughs> Just have a great relationship. But don't the point ever. the is that someone talked Michael because we're all dum-dums. Yeah. You know, we're all dum-dums. We're yeah. going to get talked into doing dumb shit. She, Courtney, 
talked him into doing this. You're going to be able to get in there and get that money. No one's going to know who you are. You're going to get that money. And then we'll have money to go start a new life. No one will know. Yeah. And And she, in a way, kind of set him up. Yeah, and I don't understand why. That didn't make any sense. $25,000 is a lot of money, I guess. But she knew he was coming when they were there. Maybe it was a thrill thing. I don't, we're obviously, we're well, never going to know. The text to her you're mom. never going to get the true story out of her. No, 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 but those texts to her mom. I just saw Michael get his nose busted and blood spurting out of him because Bobby beat him up and, and all that. And the cops were like, you were clearly there. And I love and- the fact that the mother's like, Went to the police station. I, I, hot minute. Wait, when you need me there, I'll be there now. She showed up. They didn't even ask her. She showed up. But I love when she's in the interrogation with the cops and she's just talking. You and your douchebag douche friends. Friend. I'm at the cop station at 1.30 in the morning. Regina was the hero. Um, so there was some justice for Michael. A big part of that uh, was Regina. So yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's it's just, it's a, yeah, it's just so bizarre. And it and on one hand, it's like, well, you know, if your friends ask you to do something, and I'm like, I got a whole lot of nope in me. Yeah, like, me too. Like, nope, uh, no, 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 I don't think, that's not a good idea. No, you know, no, no, You know, no, as no. even more, well, oh, first off, I want to shout out to, um, Faithful listener Debbie G up in Rockville because she she always has a nice comment or said something when I said grabbing lamb for Thanksgiving. She's like, I thought you like lobster. The more you know, it's more open than you, right? Hey, Frank, we're gonna go. Very funny. Thank you. Hey, remember to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Yes, please. And we're on all mediums. Or revoir, <laughs>